Father, this morning, we just want to honor you. We just want to magnify you, Lord, your word, your son, and your spirit who is here in our midst. Even this morning, as we get ready, prepare for communion, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us. Your word is life. Your word is truth. Your word has power to set any man, woman, child free from anything. Because to a whole nation you said, I send forth my word and healed you of your diseases, your captivity. That's the power of your word for anyone who believes today. You will not go back the way you came. So Father, by faith, I release your word. Speak to us, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And I think it was last week. Last week we were at Dr. David's home. He was inaugurating his little, he came to ask us to pray, his little ice cream parlor. You know, I was telling him, Amen I was telling him, God is so good, but right in front of the ice cream parlor is where the sewage goes. And that sewage opened and it started overflowing and it was stinking and right in front is the ice cream parlor. And then it started pouring and it washed the whole thing away. And I said, God is good, right? Because how can you have ice cream with the stink coming in? God washed it all away. And in the middle of the rain, we, it hadn't opened. It was just inauguration testing it. People in the raid were coming and knocking. He said, no, no, next week, next week. Then towards the end, a couple of people, we, Dr. David said, come and eat. And among that, a young man came in. So I looked at the young man. We were sitting in the small little ice cream parlor. Look at the young man. And I asked him, what's your name? And he said, I see I looked at him, are you from Kerala? He said, I'm from Kerala. There he is. There he is sitting there. He said, come to church. <laughs> I said, you will love my other pastor because he's from NIT Warangal. I said, he's from, from IIT Kanpur. So you can talk engineering after the service. <laughs> That's young, I say. Okay, so God is good. God is good. God is good. Remember, we are looking at the man called Elijah. Because we all want to do, we want to work, we want a ministry. But God is not so much interested in our ministry. He's interested in the minister. Because to become the man God wants you to be, it is not easy. It is very easy to be the man you want to be or the world wants to be. It's very difficult to be the man or the woman God wants you to be. Okay. Okay. So, and that's our struggle. Most of our prayers, if we were to record and play it back, we will realize we are always telling God what to do. And put it in his, and put a recommendation in his name. Amen. (laughs) I don't know who is saying amen, God or you. Okay. But, that's why I said always pray. So what happens to God's children? I'm talking about God's children. We are not talking about the people in the world because there are so many experiences which are common in life. But that does not mean, even though it may be identical, it is still the same. Like you have two almost identical twins in this church, but they're not the same. They're different. Okay? So for us, you need to realize There is an unseen person who is ordering your footsteps. 
We saw that two weeks back, right? You could be the best man on planet earth, upright, blameless, who shuns evil and fears God, and God removes the hedge. And all hell literally breaks loose because his feet is being ordered by God. So please remember, if you are a child of God, you will go into the wilderness. Because there are certain lessons that can be learned only in the wilderness. The question is, how long will you stay there? And how will you come out? Will you come out? Or will you wander and die? You will go. Everyone will go. That is the model. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Luke 4.1 says, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Where did he take him? Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. No, not 4.1. Okay? Uh, yeah. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So you may be thinking, thank you Lord, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit today. You may be taken straight to the wilderness. But the thing is that, this should be our pattern, our actual, though we are surrounded by the cloud of saints, as Hebrews 12, 1 says, our pattern is Jesus. The thing is that, yes, he went into the wilderness, and 14 says, how did he come back? He came out of the wilderness in, in the power of the wilderness. Luke uh, 4, 14, not 1, 4, 14. He came with the, in the power of the Holy Spirit was filled. So it means these two are not always the same. No, your your car, your vehicle, your tank can be full of gas. It doesn't mean it's full of power. Okay. You could be full of the Holy Spirit and yet when you turn the ignition, it's not catching fire. There's no power. But when Jesus came, he came full, not just he was filled, he came in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. That's how he came. Okay, So wilderness is a place. It's a stage in our lives where the purpose is to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we may experience all of God. That is the end. That's the place where he chastens us. Because the man who was brought out of Egypt, or the man who was saved from sin, is not the man who's going into heaven. He has to be cleaned out. Everything of that old man, we are praying day and night, bless him, bless him, bless him. God says, no, that man has to be destroyed. There is a new man. It is in the wilderness you will know which man? Hmm? It's like a marriage, no? The two shall be one. And after the second day, which one? Which one? Same? Which one? <laughs> you would point to Jyoti, that one. Okay, Jyoti, if he says which one, you say that one. Okay, that's the threefold cord. Okay, you're getting a wedding message for the next three Sundays, okay? From me and Pastor Vijay. <clears throat> So there are voices in the wilderness. There are voices. In Matthew 4 and verse 1 says, 
Depression, discouragement, death. Around the world. You have to see the spirit that is upon working on them. It is not old people, old and young. When you get into the wilderness, there are voices out there. Right now you are cool because you are studying. Many of you are studying. You are cool. Finish. Then you are on the streets looking for a job. One month. Six months, seven months, one year. Pressure will come. Different kinds of pressure are there. Please understand, you will go through. There are voices, different voices in the wilderness. There is a voice of the devil. Which will tempt you, challenge you, question you. There is a voice... Of God in Isaiah 40 and verse 3. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness. You know, you are in the wilderness to be prepared. This is a place of preparation. You look into your soul. You look into your heart. God will show you there are so many ditches. They have to be filled. There are so many things you are proud about. They have to be brought down. You're proud about your looks, your complexion, your degrees, your talents, whatever it is. It has to be brought low. There are so many areas in your life, you're very rough. It has to be made smooth. And there are some areas in your life, you're very crooked. It's like the dog's tail. You put it inside a ton, this thing, pipe. For six months, you take it out, it still goes back to normal. Default setting is crookedness. That is Jacob. It has to be made straight. Because you don't know, there has to be a highway for the Lord. So there are voices, voices, voices. So please remember, in the wilderness, you will start hearing voices. Whose voice will you listen to? It will come into everybody's life. Some people go through different stages of wilderness. Because different lessons have to be learned. Today we will look at one person. Primarily one person. Not in detail. But we, we want to look at. So because these were written for us. Upon whom the end of ages have come. So for us who live in the last days. You know. We are living in the last days. Unless, of course, last week was good in terms of Supreme Court verdicts in U.S. back-to-back victories for the believing crowd. But we don't know. None of these things will really matter. 
You need to realize 2024 will decide the destiny of this nation and that nation. Which way it goes. Because if in 2024, let me tell you, in 2024, the current dispensation, America wins. And they get take all three, the Senate, the Congress, and the presidency. It's over. Next thing they will do is they will make D.C. and another outlying island called, I don't know how to pronounce it, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico has states. So they will have four extra senators, which will be always Democrats. That means Senate is gone forever. They will pack the Supreme Court. Right now it is 6-3. They will make it 20 leftist judges over there. Supreme Court is gone. Like here, many courts are gone. Last night, what the Gujarat High Court arrested her immediately. She had a late night hearing in the Supreme Court with three judges has put a stay on it. You need to realize courts are not what you think because once you take over the courts, it's over. That nation is over. There is nothing left. And it's happening in many, many countries, the courts. The battle in Jerusalem, in Israel, is because the courts have been taken over. In Brazil, the courts have been taken over and the previous president has been barred for eight years. People are not looking at what is happening in countries because you know what? When that day comes into our lives, will you be able to stand? Nigel Farage is one of the most prominent persons in Britain. He was behind the Brexit movement which took Britain out of the European Union. Do you know last, bank, last week he was debanked? It's a new term. His account was closed. And he can't open an account in any bank. What will you do? In a country where people don't accept currency and you don't have a bank account, how will you live? Why? Because the banks don't like your policies and your statements. We are talking about a day when you cannot buy or sell if you don't agree to their agenda. If they can do it to Nigel Farage in modern day UK. That's why we preach. Because when that day comes, stand. To stand, you need the truth. You need faith. And you need to love God with all your heart. Because that love will not fail. They did not love their lives even unto death. A day will come. But it is tested in small, small issues. Your faithfulness, your stands are taken in little, little, like, like I said about those two mothers who made a decision. When the whole world, 99% of modern day women in the world, when the guy next says and sees the scan and says, this child is going to be born with deformity, they will all say, the husbands also will say about the baby. But not these mothers and their husbands. Both their husbands said, we will stand with you. We will do everything we can do to save this life and not lose this life. That is how it is. Step by step by step, faith is built. Faith becomes strong. It is not through compromise. It is by taking this decision. Then when that day comes, we will be able to stand. So we don't know whether we can stand or not. We don't know the nature of our heart. The book of Jeremiah, God says, the heart is deceitful above all things. 
And God led them into the wilderness. He humbled them, caused them to hunger and fed them with manna so that they would know what was in there. In the wilderness, everything comes out. What is inside comes out. In the wilderness, when you are tempted of the devil, if you are the son of God, then what was inside came out. Let's go to Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 10. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, See now that the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. And verse 3, Then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So many things are there in the first three verses. First, there is something called ten years. You have a promise. You are waiting for something. Nothing has happened. Ten years have passed by. Time. We are all prisoners of time. Prisoners of time. Like I keep saying, and one of the kids from the Nepali church put it in her DP. Time doesn't do anything. It just reveals. Just reveals. Ten years. Chapter 15 is a very powerful chapter. Where Abraham has a promise. He has a vision of Jesus. And he has a covenant. What more do you need? A promise. A vision and a covenant all connected with a child. In chapter 16, the wife comes and says, 10 years. And the issue over here is in verse 1 and 2. The issue over here is, this is the subtlety of the enemy. The issue over here is that, Sarah said to Abraham, see now. About modern terms, honey, listen. Listen. The Lord has restrained me. So it didn't start with you and me. It started with Sarah. You'll always bring God into the picture and then the husband or the pastor doesn't know what to say. The Lord has restrained. Who is it? The Lord has restrained me from bearing children. And who was there in our house? An Egyptian maid saw it. Remember all the old lessons? Where did she come from? Did he go to Egypt? Why did he go to Egypt? Because there was a dry season in your life called famine or wilderness. And when that famine came, Abraham buckled under pressure and he went down into Egypt, told his wife, you are my sister. Pharaoh's men came and took her and the Pharaoh prospered him, gave him camels and goats and sheep and Egyptian servants and maidservants and one was Hagar. Presumption. When God prospers a man, he adds no trouble to it. As soon as he comes out of Egypt, there is strife between him and Lord's servants. Strife has begun over property. He humbles, let Lord go. But there is an Egyptian maid servant in the house. These are things which we picked up from the world when we, when we slid from faith, went into the world, picked up something, kept it there. 
This is why we need to go to the wilderness. Because in the wilderness, these things will come out. Suddenly, Hagar will pop out. Oh, Lord has restrained me, but Hagar is here. And the Bible says, Sarah said to see the Lord has restrained me. And the Bible says, Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. That's a problem. There are many voices. This is a voice in the wilderness. But this is not the voice of God. This is a voice of the tempter. But he doesn't come and speak to you directly. He spoke through the wife. Sometimes he speaks through the husband. The devil, like I said, like I was teaching the Nepali church, all temptations don't have the same power. It depends upon through whose mouth it comes. It doesn't have the same power. It can be the, exactly the same temptation. But it doesn't have the power. The power is determined by through the vessel through which it comes. So Satan came and spoke to Eve, and Eve took it and gave it to Adam, and Adam ate it. This is not Eliezer speaking. This is not somebody else speaking. This is Sarai speaking. And let's hear it to our voice. So there are voices put in our lives. Why did Abraham not enter the promised land for years and years after the call of God? Because his father stopped him. So that's a very important voice. It's a very important voice. Not a, it's not a voice to be disrespected. But it's an important voice. But if that voice contradicts the voice of God, what is already written, then what do you do? I have to get these pictures right. So you have something happening over here. Okay? And verse 3 says, he heeded her voice, then he gave. And Abraham had dwelt there for 10 years. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. The issue is this. As soon as you listen to a voice that is not of God, immediate productivity. When you listen to God's voice, your wife is there 10 years in the promised land, no children. Years before, outside the promised land, no children. You listen to the voice of the enemy. The girl is immediately pregnant. And you will say, thank Lord, this is the Lord's will. No, it's not. So don't look at your success. Don't look at your success. That is what we say. That is communism. The end justifies the means. That is not. Actually, communists didn't say it. Somebody else said it, but the communists have appropriated it. For God, the end is not what is important because already determined the end. The means matter. It is not... Whether you will have a child. I already told you, you will have a child. But I also have more important how you will have the child. How you will have a ministry. How you will have a job. How you will have a wife. How you will have a child. How you will have a life. I have already seen the end from the beginning. What I want, I'm training you is how you reach there. He's just not the author of your faith. He is also the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. That is our issues. Our issues is with the ways of God. Bible says, as high as the heavens is from the earth are his ways. Who can understand it? That is where faith comes. And faith often involves a lot of waiting. That is called waiting on the Lord. Not just waiting. Waiting on the Lord. Because there is a promise. The promise will ultimately come to pass. But in between, the vessel is being prepared. But here they goofed up. They goofed up. 
And then what happens? As soon as she conceived, when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Despised in her eyes. Her mistress became despised in her eyes. You see that? Trouble has started in the house. Next line is interesting. Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. <laughs> we think that these were all very sanctified people. They became sanctified. They were typical today's household. My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. When she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. Poor man is now caught. Do you know what he says? So Abraham said to Sarah, indeed your maid is in your hand, do to her as you please. He says, you wash just me hand. You do what you want, that's your maid, you do whatever you want. And Sarah dealt harshly with her and she fled from her presence. Isn't this Sarah, Peter says, a meek and a gentle spirit. Daughters of Sarah, I preached a sermon also. That is later Sarah. This Sarah dealt so harshly with a maid servant, she ran from the house. What is Sarah, right? You have to read scripture to say God doesn't whitewash anybody's character. As it is, he writes. He will write. I mean, think about today. Think about today. He's written about any respectable men all sitting here. He went into his maidservant. What do you think about him? That is Abraham. Father of faith, when wilderness comes, when famine comes, when barrenness comes, when pressure comes, you do not know what you will do. So don't sit today and smirk because you haven't reached that point yet. When famine came, mothers cooked and ate their babies. You don't know what it is to be that hungry yet. After the white horseman, there are other horsemen that are coming. Famine is coming. War is coming. Death is coming. And you do not know what you will do. That's why you have to believe today. Believe today. See, ignorance is bliss. Only when you have to write an exam, you will realize it is not bliss. I wish I knew. Read the accounts of history, real history, what happened all around the world from the entire western world to the eastern world during the world wars. What happened when conquerors, brutal conquerors took over nations? What did the women do? What did the young girls do to eat? They sold their bodies to the invaders because they could not handle hunger. There is China... Breathing down Korea and uh, Japan and all. Why is South Koreans and the Japanese still not very friendly? Because when the Japanese took over Korea, Korean women were used as a comfort women for the Japanese soldiers. Do you know what happens when these eventualities take place? What is happening in Manipur? 355 churches have been burned down to the ground. You hear? Anybody speaking about it? The head of the state, prime minister, hasn't spoken one word in two months about what is happening. It's not far away. 
The question is these things will happen. That is not everything has been prophesied. Things will only get worse. The question is when it happens, what will you, where will you stand? What will you do? When the day of evil comes, the Bible says, stand. Will you be able to stand? Will you be able to stand? Will you be able to stand? One of the smartest men in Britain is Nigel Farage. He doesn't have a bank account now. He's wondering what to do. He says, the next few weeks I will make a decision to stay in Britain or leave. He was the force behind Britain leaving European Union. And they just cancelled, just send a letter, you're closing your account. Let me ask one of you who is single and working. Tomorrow you get a text closing your account to come and collect your cash. Let us say you have one account, you have two accounts, it is closed. You go to every bank and your name says, no, sir, madam, we can't open an account. What's the reason? No reason. What do you do? Happening before us, our eyes. That is why we have to be learned from all these people how these great men and women buckled under pressure, did such stupid things which created problems for generations. But leave it that alone. We'll just look at that. So she ran away. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. She is the first person in the Bible with whom the word wilderness is issued. Who is the first person to found wandering in the wilderness? It is Hagar. Hindi you see Hajira. Hagar is the first person to be found in the wilderness. And verse 8. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress. The first person. This does not happen to her once. It happens to her twice. Genesis 21, verse 14. 21, 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, putting it on her shoulder. He gave it and and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. First time, she ran on her own. Second time, she sent out. But both times she ends up in the wilderness. So it does not matter. Maybe you ran. There are lots of young people of your age who run away and get married. And they end up in the wilderness. When I minister to the Nepali church and when I ask them, talk to them, when they talk about, I mean, you their terms, I'll speak. Don't run away and get married. Because that is a tradition. Koi. When I came last time, your children were there. Where is it? Ran away. Two years later, we'll come back. What happened? He went away with somebody else. Gone. So you could be running away or you could be sent out. Both times. The girl is in the wilderness. That's who she is. Verse 8, let's go back. He said, who said? The angel of the Lord. I can tell you, little, little, little things. When you see the capital A, it is Jesus. 
that is the assumption it is jesus okay this is where you have to understand god you have to understand god our god is not like other gods our god is different our god jesus is in the wilderness looking for a maid servant who ran away from her master's house and who is wandering who is pregnant and is goes in search of her this is the same jesus who will years thousands of years later will sit sit at a well wait for a samaritan woman who was married five times divorced and living with the sixth one if you don't understand the heart of god you will despise his discipline because whom he loves he chastens we read deuteronomy 8 1 2 3 4 we don't read 5 He led them into the wilderness. He caused them to hunger. He humbled them, tested them, and he fed them with manna that man shall not live by bread alone. All that in verse five he says, "Whom he loves, that's why he took you into the wilderness, so that he could discipline you, get all that flesh out." That's what's happening to her. So he's asking this question: Where have you come from, and where are you going? Like I said, questions are important, very important. This is the sixth question God asks in the Bible. You are all well versed by now, right? First question is, where are you, Adam? Second question, who told you? That's why Abraham should have asked himself, who told me? God promised a seed, and I listened to my wife's voice. I should have gone back to him and said, Lord, you promised me, you gave me a vision, you we made a covenant, a unilateral covenant. You made me with me connected with this this thing. And my dear wife, she's a godly woman, she's a good woman. She has put up with all my junk, even when I told she is not my wife. She still stood up with me, and she's walked with me all this year. She's a good woman, but this is what she's suggesting to your promise. Is that the way? You did not. Who told you? what have you done the third question fourth question is to cain the next man in the universe why are you angry <laughs> the fifth question also is to that man where is your brother now you have the sixth question in modern terms be spoken to an unwed single mother modern context let's put it in modern an unwed she's not married she's just a concubine ran away unwed pregnant single mother where are you coming from where are you going these are important questions you know what this question means wherever you are in life and you are struggling the simple question is what brought you here what brought you here don't say ayo papa no 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 this is not a time for sympathy When you go to your doctor, he will say, "Ayo, papa." He says, "I want a diagnosis." Doctor, my ear is hurting. My this is hurting. Ayo, papa. He doesn't say, "Do this test, 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 and come back." I will tell you what's wrong with you. She's sitting there. She's probably crying, lost in the wilderness, ran away, and God doesn't come and say, "Ayo, papa." He says, "Where are you coming from?" Do you really want a solution with your problem? at this juncture people have written six months was bad second half has begun so you are at the juncture you are somewhere at a crossroads you are at a crossroads you need to ask this question what brought me here that's what god is asking 
Don't blame man. Don't blame God. Just try to find. God is coming not to blame anybody. He said, I took all your blame on the cross. I blame nobody. I'm coming here interested to see that you have a solution. So the first question he asks is, where are you coming from? Where are you going? What brought you here? Don't fool yourself. Learn to ask tough questions. Tough, tough questions. So if I were to ask you today, Arundhati, where are you? She will say, I'm in the church. That's not what it means. It means, are you listening? You may be in church. That doesn't make any difference. The question is, are you hearing? Are you hearing? You're in church, yes. But are you hearing? Are you hearing what God is trying to tell to each one in your own situation? Questions. Where are you? That's why I said you need to read the Red Letter Bible. Do you know the first words of Jesus Christ recorded in the Bible is a question? And you're 12 years old. Son, how could you do this to us? Mama, all emotions, tears, everything. Son says, why were you seeking? Why were you seeking? He was not shouting, screaming. Just asking a simple question. Why were you seeking me? Didn't you know I should be at my father's business? Because you are a person with so many revelations. You had angelic visits, a divine conception, Simeon's prophecy. Anna's prophecy, all these things you heard. Then why were you seeking? Once a class teacher in a class of school room, classroom, maths problem, he said solve it. Whole day, children tried to solve it. They couldn't solve it. Final bell rang. Students all went, classroom was closed, school was closed, it is night, one mother is panicking, her child hasn't come back, she starts going around to every friend's house, did he come here, did he come here, did he come here, did he come here, nowhere, then she goes to the school, the school is closed, she goes, to the, those are small schools with one teacher, two teachers, she goes to the teacher's house and she says, my son isn't there, and the teacher says, your son, let's go to the school. I gave him a problem. They lit the lamp, opened the school, opened the classroom. The boy is there sitting, fallen asleep. And as soon as he slits the light, he says, Sir, I got the solution. He sat there until he got the answer. The teacher knew. If it is that boy who is lost, I know where to find him. He'll be in his classroom at his task. Until I crack this, I'm not leaving. Do you know who that boy was? Napoleon Bonaparte in a math classroom. Jesus is asking the question. You know everything about me. You came, finished a ritual and went back. You didn't see me. Where do you think I would be? Playing marbles on the road? Where do you think? Mama, where do you think I would be? You've seen my life for 12 years. 
questions, questions, children, questions. God asks questions. And those questions are general questions addressed to all of us. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Do you have a vision in life? If you continue doing this way, do you think you will reach here? Promises are given more than conquerors. He who overcomes shall reign with me, shall be a pillar in my temple, eat manna, news, all these things. But the way you are going, do you think you will reach in any of these positions? Admission was free because somebody paid the tuition fees. But promotion is not free. You need to get your life in order. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? What brought you here? Please don't misunderstand. Oh, he's being so hard on a poor castaway maid servant. Because today it's all victim mentality. Everybody is victim. Supreme Court passed a verdict on affirmative action. Suddenly all the law colleges, comfort rooms for the students. Comfort room, because that verdict hurt them so much. So we shall buy them teddy bears to cuddle. Now what kind of a generation are we raising? We are talking about United States of America, your age group. They can't take a verdict, so now they need to be comforted. God doesn't do that. He will come, he will comfort but he'll comfort you by asking very tough question. Do you know if you have a tumor, the surgeon's scalpel is an instrument of comfort? First will it hurt you. Then he will stitch you up. Then he will take it up. He will put you on painkillers. But it is an instrument of comfort. Elijah, where are you coming from? Uh, I'm coming from the king's presence, gave him a message. He told me to go to Kerit. Elijah, where are you coming from? I am coming from Kerit because he told me, go to Zarephath, I have commanded a widow. Elijah, where are you coming from? He told me, rise from here and go to Mount Carmel. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? If God were to ask us a question, do we know? But the narrative changes in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 2 to 4, and then verse 9. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. This is what we say in English, the last straw on the camel's back, Elijah broke. Gone. Next thing, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, left his servant there, and verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He suicide. I was telling him, my wife last week, do you see how many people are suicidal now? I said, in all my life, I can honestly stand before God and say, never has that thought ever crossed my mind, even in the darkest day, to kill myself. Never. Why are people so suicidal today? Here is a prophet who is suicidal. And God feeds him all that and makes him walk for 40 days. And then verse 9. Then he went into a cave, spent the night in that place. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, Whether you are a maidservant, whether you are a prophet, 
The question is the same. What are you doing here? What brought you here? Take a clear evaluation at the end of six months, a half yearly exam. What brought you here? Are you where where God wants you to be? Is this God's designed, appointed place at this appointed time in your life? Is this where you are? Or should you have been somewhere else far ahead? What brought you here? So it does not matter whether it is Hagar to whom you should show great sympathy or a prophet. God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And he's asking the same question. What are you doing here? How did you reach here? Depressed? Discouraged? Suicidal? How did you reach here? Just a few days back, you brought fire down from heaven. I gave you anointing which made you run faster than Elijah's chariot. How did you reach here? You cannot build your life on yesterday's successes. Because today is a new day. Today's challenges are different. The powers of darkness are not going to rest until Christ comes back. The wrath and anger is only going to increase. The question is, when those days come, will you be able to stand? That is just building and building and building. Build yourself in the most holy faith, Jude will say. That is where all these things, this has got nothing to do with feelings. Faith has got nothing to do with feelings. Feelings lie. It may agree, it may disagree, but faith goes in that one line. God said, therefore. God said, therefore. I stand on it. I believe. And I do. You cannot escape the wilderness. You will reach there. So that's the place. Dut ka dut, pani ka pani. I will realize. And God is not there to condemn you. He says, I just wanted to know that this is all you can handle. If you need to go to the second level, you need to have another encounter with me. You can't. Don't try anything for God in your strength. It is humanly impossible. By the time we stand before God, no man will boast. It is of God, by God, for God. Nothing of flesh will go to that other side. So, even if like Hagar, it is a sin-driven wilderness. Not spirit-driven wilderness. Sin-driven wilderness. God is so wonderful. In Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, yes, comfort my people. Says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Cry out to her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. Why are you in Babylon? Because of your iniquity. 70 years of captivity. Why are you there? Because of it. But I, I say, don't speak hard to them. Comfort my children. Comfort. Comfort. You know what the verse 3 is, right? There's a voice in the world, in the wilderness, crying out. Comfort. So God, when he asks his questions, even though we pastors may shout or our tone may sound aggressive, it may not, that's not God. God is always coming to comfort. That's why it's about Jesus. It said he never raises his voice in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not put up. He's always coming to his children. 
to comfort, to put our lives in order. He saved us. He will carry us through. But he can carry us through only if we agree to what he is saying. Not fight him. Even to the sin driven. He speaks comfort. Right? Does he throw Elijah out? No. He wakes him up. Feeds him. Wakes him up again. Feed him and said, go to Horeb. That mount. Your forefathers and all met me there. You come there, I'll speak to you. But when he reaches there, the first question is, what are you doing here? Speaks comfort. Genesis 42, 22. Famine has come. Ten brothers were living, must be, you know, doing whatever they want. People do like that. A lot of young people in our church, they don't come to church. They do whatever they want because it is must be time. And one day famine will come. The day famine will come, you have to go. You go to Joseph. You don't know Joseph. Joseph knows you. You are all honorable men. No honorable. He said, put them in the prison for three days. Three days. These three days will keep coming. Three days later, Reuben is saying, did I not speak to you? Did I not speak to you? Do not sin against the boy. Did I not tell you? Who is that boy? Joseph. When did this happen? 21 years ago. Famine will be. First year famine. Second year famine. Third year famine. David said, Lord, I am doing everything according to your word. Why is there famine in my land? Son, this has got nothing to do with you. There was a king before you. He did something. The famine has come. When did they do this? 21 years ago. When is the famine hitting them? Why are you here now? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, all of you. Why are you here now? Ask this question. What brought you here? The sin is standing against you. 21 years ago. You sold your brother as a slave. You forgot. Everybody forgot. God hasn't forgotten. That has to be put right. That's the question Cain refused to answer. What did he say? Am I my brother's keeper? Is he coming to condemn? Is Joseph going to condemn? You know what happens? Joseph looks like an Egyptian. He hears this. Do you know what he does? He goes to the other side and he cries. He cries. It's not hard. But he knows until these things are put right, restoration cannot take place. That's why I said much of our prayers is like to twist God's hands. So Hagar, Elijah, all these people had to go through this season. So the first step is always diagnose. Okay, We have doctors over here. But if the same cases keep on coming from practice, they don't ask you to diagnose. They will say, take this, take this, take this for three days or five days. Why no diagnosis? Because first case also was the same, second case also was the same, third case also was the same, fourth case also was the same, fifth case also was the same, sixth case is also the same from symptomatically, you seems to be like the same. So no, nobody gets upset with the doctor. Oh, what kind of a doctor is he took only five minutes and he didn't see radiology, scan, lab, there's nothing, he just gave me medicines. Nobody says, right? 
But when you come to pastor and pastor listens to you and says, this is your problem, just do this. You say, pastor never listened to me because the previous case and the previous case and the previous case and the previous case and the previous case was exactly the same. So there's no need for a radiology test. It is the same. There is nothing new under the sun. Please understand, that's how it works. God was gentle with Elijah. But you need to realize, you have to rethink, don't think in the ways of the world, as a first solution. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Renew your mind. You have to read the Bible, because if anybody was asked to say, Anybody wants to go into the wilderness? Anybody even wants to Thar desert, Gobi desert, Sahara desert? Nobody wants to go. 19, 4 and 5. First Kings. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and he prayed he might die. Verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Who met Hagar in the wilderness? The angel of the Lord. Who met Elijah in the wilderness? Who met Jacob when he was running from his father's house and was lost in the wilderness? Who met him? The angel of the Lord. What is it written in Mark chapter 1 and verse 13? Led him, drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan and was with the wild beast and the... You see, in the wilderness, God doesn't leave you alone. It's an angelic ministry. You're appointed to. Those are our places. You know this old story about footprints in the sand. This young man reaches heaven and God shows his whole life has footprints on the sand. And he looks at those footprints and he sees, he says, I remember that day, I remember that day, I remember that day. And then he sees some places, there are no footprints at all. And then the footprint, and he knows that time and said, Lord, why are there no footprints here? I remember those were my worst years in my life. And God tells him, son, those were the years I carried you. That's why your footprints are not there. Isn't that what he told about Israel? I found you in the howling desert and I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Those are the best moments in our lives where we can actually encounter God. And all of them had this experience. So are we wandering, lost, discouraged this morning? Jeremiah 17 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the past places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. The next verse, Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Don't put your trust in your flesh. Abraham put his trust in his flesh. Sarah put her trust in her flesh. Hagar put her trust in the flesh. Now all are in the wilderness. 
The house has become a wilderness. The girl is in the wilderness. The unborn baby is in the wilderness. And Hagar is a type. There is a Hagar in all of us. 16, 7 and 8. Then the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, and he said, he knows you by name. Lord, do you know who I am? Of course I know who you are. The problem is not whether I know you. The problem is whether you know. Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Really? What's your name? What's your name? You want me to bless the old man, huh? I don't bless the old man. The blessing is for the new man. I will bless the other one. Your name is Israel. Only Israel I bless. Are your blessings, all your prayers connected with the old man or the new man? What is your name? What is your name? Krutika or Deborah? Brunda or Hannah? What's your name? Who do you want bless? Who's speaking? Because there are two voices that come out of in our minds and our mouths too. Who wants to be blessed? Do you know your name? I know your name. That's not the point. The point is God is saying, do you know your name? Because you are saying, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. But the question is, who do I bless? The old man or the new man? I don't bless the old man. I kill him. I bless only the new man. Ask yourself. These are questions we need to ask. Otherwise, we'll just like the children of Israel, wander in the wilderness, taken care of by God, and die. Why? Because they wanted the blessings of the old man. In Egypt, we remember, we ate this, and oh, it was so nice, it was so nice, it was so nice. God says, okay, die here. I'm not taking you back there. I'm not taking you there either. They wandered and died. What is your name? You can't fake your resume with him. You can't fake your resume. Your company may swallow it. He won't. Hager, Saras, that's who you are. That's your job profile. I know your name. I know your job too. Sarah, exalted concubine of Abraham. No, Sarah's maid. That's who you are. Assistant manager, no salesman. That is who you are. Don't put this title. This means nothing. I know who you are. Jacob, I loved. But Jacob is a worm. I know you, Jacob. You are a worm. You are always wriggling around like this. You never go straight. But I love you. In my love, I will transform you into Israel. And he said, hey girl, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Angel of the Lord said to her, will you take a solution today? No, I'm not telling this to you. I'm telling you, when you tell, when he gives you the solution, will you take the solution? What did he tell her? 
Return to your mistress. First Kings chapter 19 verse 15. And the Lord said to him, who is this? Elijah. The Lord said to him, what did he say? Go return your way. See, the God of Hagar is the God of Elijah. You're caught in the same situation. These solutions are still go back the way you came. Oh, no, no, he's Elijah, the exalted prophet. God will make concession. God says, I don't change my ways for anyone. Whether you are a maidservant, a slave, or whether you are the only surviving prophet in the land, my way is still the same. Go back the way you came. That's why I said we don't understand his ways. We just believe and obey him. Go back. Go back. Go back. And verse 9. Return to your mistress. That is step one. And second one is the pill which gets stuck in our throat. It's a horse pill. Horse pill. Now when you get TB and all, they will give you this pill which is as half, half your finger. <gasps> no, it gets stuck. This is the pill which gets stuck in every Christian's throat. What is that? Submit to your mistress. When that pill comes... We like apple pie, we can pecan pie, we like every pie. But God says none of them that will help you. There's another pie called humble pie. Humble pie. If you're a Malayali, like I say and me, we'll say humble pie. Okay, Humble pie. Whatever way you pronounce it, you have to eat it. That is where your salvation and restoration lies. First, go back the way you came. Second, Submit. What is that? Return and submit. Let's go to the most familiar, favorite parable in the Bible. Luke chapter 15. When he had spent all, that's the son. Many young people will come to God one day having spent all. They will come to the end of their rope and they will realize, I have come to the end of the rope. Then they will turn back and see God is there. Holding the end of the rope. Severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with pots. The swine ate and no one gave him anything. Then, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? And verse 18, what did he say? I will arise. I will arise. I will go back the same way I came. When he left his father's house, he was in a hurry to know the world. Now he's going slowly back because on the way he's eating humble pie. Slowly going. Go back the way you came. And I shall... Submit to my father. I will tell him, I have sinned against heaven and before you, please make me like one of your... See, principle has never changed anywhere. Whether it is Hagar, whether it is Elijah, whether it is the prodigal son, go back the way you came and go and submit to the authorities I have placed over you. That's where your protection, your provision, your power, everything lies. And that is the first simple principle of the kingdom of God. 
and we have a problem with that. In heaven, that was the problem and Satan refused to submit and took one third with him. On earth, Adam and Eve refused to submit and took everybody with them. And Jesus came to show the way. He came to show the way. The way is, the way is, even though he was a son, he learned obedience by what he suffered. Even though he was equal to the father, he did not consider equality. He humbled, 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 finally to death. And is there any further you can go? Yes, the form of death you choose, the most despised form, the death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. He showed us a way. There's no other way. He does not say, go, return the way you can, submit your mistress. He doesn't leave it like that. You have to read verse 10. Verse 10, then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants. Oh, if I go and submit to that harsh mistress, God says, don't worry. Even she's under my hand. Your blessings cannot be robbed from her. You just stay under. I will bless your future. That's in my hand. Nobody can take it away from you. You do what I tell you to do. I will do what only I can do. What will I do? I will bless you. You have to see. You don't want multiplication or descendants. You have to see the principle here. I will bless you in ways which you can never even fathom or understand. But if I have to bless you in that way, then you have to do my way. What do you say? My way or highway? God says, take the highway. Because the old man is a rebel. And he hates. If you have doubts, go home today, read Genesis chapter 3. Does Adam and Eve ever open their mouth and say, sorry? Even the buffalo on the roads are more polite than the human beings. Every time a scooter has touched that, it looks at me apologetically. If you could speak, you would say, I am sorry, but my master puts me in the middle of the road. Did Adam say sorry? Did Eve say sorry? Did Cain say sorry? Submission. It's a very difficult thing for us. Ephesians 5.21 Read. Submit to one another in the Words 22. Wives, submit. Words 25. Husbands, huh? you can't love your wife unless you submit to God's command. Because every wife is lovable until you get married to them. <laughs> Honestly, because you are, you are in love with an image. That's true. And when you get married, you realize, okay, I'm getting to know a person. And everybody is busy trying to change the other person. God says, nobody can change anybody, only I can. Reality strikes. That is why you have a covenant. If there is no covenant, each one will run away the second day. 
So God says, I'm binding you with a covenant. Even God had to bind himself with us a covenant and God would have left us. Are you seeing how it is? See, this is the submission for men. It's not love your wives. And that's very difficult. I love you. Every man says, I love you. You never understand, but I love you. God didn't say that. He said, love you just as Christ loved. That is the problem. I am not Christ. Well, he said, be. Every man answer is that, I am not Christ. But God told husbands, love your wives just as. We don't like these words like just as. You know? Father, forgive us our debts. Just as forgive others. Why did you put that over there? Just forgive our debts would have been enough, right? Now, why did you put that? I like it in Nepali. Just sorry. Just sorry. And I tell them, just sorry, well, the How did you feel when you heard the word just sorry? How did you feel? That's what he said. All the children are sitting there and smiling. Thank God I am not married. Don't worry, next verse is about you. Children, obey. Children, obey. Abigail, children, say it loudly. Obey. Kritika, say it loudly. Obey. Everybody has it. Verse 5. Employees, Modern, modern day, IT is bond servants. Hmm? Obey? Obey your masters. Verse 9. And you masters, do the? Yeah, assistant manager, general manager, associate manager, whatever your title is, do the same thing. So it doesn't matter whether you're a man, a woman, husband, wife, child, manager, slave, master, everybody is asked to submit. That's the first law. There's no other way. There's no other way. Hey girl, go back the way you came and submit to your mistress within brackets who dealt with you harshly. Did you get it? You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Go to 22.9. You'll see suddenly. Oh, no, no, no. Not 22. 20. Quickly, 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 quickly. Not Hager, Sodom, Confused. 21.5. Not 22, 21.5. Let me take a drinks break. 21.5. Come, verse 9. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham. Scuffing. Watch this. Now listen carefully. If one generation despises authority, the next generation will be scoffers. In the last days, Peter said, scoffers will come. The whole western world is full of a generation who are scoffers. Of everything that is of God. Why? Because their parents despised authority. Especially the women. This is what is called iniquity passing down. It is generational. Hagar despised 
Ishmael will scoff. It doesn't stop with you. Nothing stops with us. Unless it just passes on. It passes on. See, we don't want to, we don't want to diagnose, we don't want to go to deep diagnosis because it, it starts upsetting us. We talk about transgender movement, LGBTQ, all these problems. What is happening? Do you know what is the mother of all these movements? Was feminism. Nobody spoke. The mother of every movement you see today began in the 1900 has feminism. Emancipation of women. Now, the scoffers have risen because the women despised authority. You don't want diagnosis. Oh, because it hurts. It gets too close. So you want a solution? Go back the way you came. All you Christian mothers, all you Christian wives, all you Christian women, learn to submit. All you Christian men, learn to love as Christ. You will raise up children who will not be scoffers in an age full of scoffers. There is no other way. That is why we don't want to go the way we came. And I'm telling you, literally telling you, if you do not guard your hearts, girls, the more you get educated, the more you start despising authority because that is what education does. Modern day education does not make you humble because knowledge puffs. Education does not make anybody humble. The fear of God. The knowledge of God makes you humble. Now everybody is quiet. Lord, why did I come to church today? First <laughs> Peter 5 5. This is all to the church. First, yeah, three, three scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. 5 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed. What is that? Humility. Clothe yourself with humility, with submission. Otherwise, what God has for us, the promised land, what he has for us, Land flowing with milk and honey. You have houses which you didn't build. Wells you did not dig. Gold and silver and bronze in the hills. Cattles you did not raise. Everything that I have for you will remain in the enemy's hands. Simply because you did not listen to my voice in the wilderness. It is all for you. Another generation will rise. Who will take it? But... 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. This is important. Always I go back to this. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Therefore, therefore, what is that? We do not. Why? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Therefore, This is the reason we do not lose heart because we are growing older. The teeth are starting to shake. The joints are creaking. Hair is growing old. But we do not lose heart because inside we see something else. The actual man, the real man, the new man, the man born in the spirit is changing. If that is not happening, you will lose heart. Your outward man is also perishing. Inward man also is perishing. You will lose heart. 
Therefore, we do not love. Why? For the light affliction, which is but for a moment. You start seeing life completely different. You see life completely different. If you have doubts, go read the story of Joseph. Under the hand of the father. Submissive. Here I am, went in the wilderness, put in a pit, sold as a slave. Under the hand of Potiphar, refused to buckle. Refused to go against his authority state. Thrown into the prison on a false accusation. Under the hand of the prison warden. Refused to move. Then under the hand of Pharaoh. And then he names his two sons. What are the names? What are the names? Ephraim and? What do those names mean? All your wilderness pain Every light affliction. It just looked like a moment. It's gone. Because he learned. Stay where God has placed. Stay in God's order. It's just light. It's forgotten. And he has made me double fruitful in this land. You want to remember those days. But if you don't come God's way, all you will remember is affliction. 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 There's nothing else to remember. But you went through God's way. It's light affliction. And then come to verse 18. That's important. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you know that? Yesterday we had this wonderful question. On the blood. Listen to that. All on the blood. And then about this. The question I suppose to about marriage. When we go to heaven, how will relationships be? And Jesus had answered uh, that question in Matthew 22. Things which we... Do you know that there is nothing you see in this life which is eternal? Everything is temporary. Everything is temporary. Even your marriage is temporary. Until death do part. After that, it's not a marriage. There's no husband wife there. Even heaven and earth is temporary. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Revelation 21 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There is nothing eternal here except the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one dot from this. This is eternal. It's forever settled. So the ones who are understanding are looking at things not seen by faith at what God is saying. By what God is saying. It's okay. Okay. What do God is saying? They're looking by faith. Because by faith we understand. Famine is temporary. Wilderness is temporary. Barrenness is temporary. Your sickness is temporary. Your marriage problem is temporary. Everything that you see is temporary. If you allow God to come in. There is a woman standing outside. She is picking up sticks. She is picking up sticks. In her mind there is only one thought. Death is here at my door. This is the last meal I and my son is going to have. There's nobody to borrow from. Everybody is hungry. Everybody is starving. Famine has eaten the land. And she is thinking death, thinking death. And that's what she opens and says, we are planning to eat and die. And then the prophet says, no, go and make it for me. Bring. This is the word of the Lord. Your bin and your flour, oil and your crows shall never run out. You should believe the word of God. That famine, that should have killed you. Was just temporary. It was just temporary. Your barrenness was just temporary. But would you submit to God? 
Would you submit to God's ways? So God had to wait until Abraham and Sarah could no way do anything. Even if there were a hundred hajiras in the house, Abraham was too old now. Waited till then and then said, you will have a son. So your barrenness was temporary. All you needed was to bring God into the picture. There is a woman with 12 years of blood. She was issue of blood. She's old. She's, she has lost all her money. Went to every physician. She's now at the end of her line. And then she heard about Jesus. So your illness, illness is temporary. Your poverty is temporary. There was a widow whose husband was a servant of the prophet. And he died. And the two sons were going to be taken as debtors. She comes to Elijah. Elijah says, Elisha says, do this, do this. And suddenly she has more than enough. Why? Because all you needed was God to come into the picture. Everything that you see are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. But the things which are not seen can be received only by faith. My marriage on the break. Husbands, love your wives. My marriage is over. Love your wife, says Christ Jesus loved his church. Submit your husband as unto the Lord. The marriage will come back from the dead. It will come back. Your finances will come back. Your health will come back. Because our God is a God of restoration. Everything that you and I see is temporal. There is the only thing that is eternal is what God says. Hagar is running. The question is, you are run from your mother, mistress house. You are lost in this wilderness. Where are you going? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Two questions. One is practical. Do you know where you are going? Spiritual question. This is the only man's house who knows the living God. You run from his house, where will you go? You leave the church, you don't come, you don't go to church. Where are you going? If Jesus were to come tomorrow, where will you be? There's a Hindi song, no? Akri Turhi, the last trumpet blow, and where will you be? Where will I be? If he were to come before the communion service is over, where will you be? Did you ask this question? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Because that has to be, where am I going? Where am I going? Because all they keep telling, my wife, all the things and the problems that consume our minds, people's minds, you know what? If Jesus were to come tomorrow, it will have no relevance. Honestly, think about it. Everything that's consuming right now, your mind, your worries, what relevance will it have if Jesus were to come on July, July the 3rd? Will it have any meaning? You'll have no meaning. And that is how he said you should live. No one knows the day or the hour. When the Son of Man comes, live expectantly. You'll be all fine, he says. I'll take care of it. Because everybody is like, you know, on the tender hooks here. It is true. The fact is true. She will die. 17, 11 to 14. No? Okay. First Kings. She was going to get it. He called, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And what did she say? She said, ask the Lord, your God lives. I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin. Little oil. See, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself. I and my son that we may eat and die. 
It's a fact. It's true. She will die. But the issue is that neither Elijah nor Jesus comes to the church to let us die. He comes always to give us life. But life is conditional. What does he say? He said in verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it. First bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself, your son. He says, don't fear. Just do what I tell. Make it, give me first, and you both also eat. And then the tone changes. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And verse 15 is very simple. Very simple verse 15. Yeah. What did she do? Verse 15? Can I have verse 15? She went and did. Not now. Verse 15, same, same. Same chapter, verse 15. Okay. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for minute. Her famine was just temporal. What is eternal is God. We'll be studying the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. Everlasting to everlasting. There's no time there. The sun doesn't there, there is no moon there, there is no day there, there is no night there. I gave you an entire explanation of what eternity is going to be from our understanding of the scripture. You don't get tired, you don't sweat, you don't sleep, you have strength forever. It's, it's not night without end or day without end. There is no day, there is no night. There is no sun, there is no moon. That is eternity. And in that eternity, inhabits God. Everlasting to everlasting. So God says, don't look at the temporal, look at the eternal. And there's only one thing I have eternal. It is the word of God. So the question is, Sarah said, this one said, Jezebel said, but what do you say? My flesh is saying, what do you say? That's what Jesus asked the disciples when everybody starts living. You're all going, Peter, John, James, do you also want to go away? Peter said, where shall we go away? You alone have the words of life. You alone have the words of life. That's what we need to understand. Everybody is looking at the temporal. Who is looking at the eternal and making decisions? She, she's stunned. Hagar is stunned. Look at what Hagar says in verse 13. She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Do you know she's the first human being who names God? Do you know that? See, we, we, un, we don't understand this God. We talk about all these great ones in the Bible. The first one to name God according to her experience was the Egyptian maidservant slave called Hagar. You are the God who sees. You saw in my affliction. And he showed me the way. And she goes back and submits to her mistress. Five minutes will go to communion. James 2.26. Listen carefully. Read it. First part is this. 
For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is There are two parts to it. First, there is a body here. All bodies sitting here. And in every body, there is flesh. As the body without the spirit is dead. So the question to ask is, which spirit drives you? Everybody is driven by a spirit. Which spirit drives you? Because if there is no spirit, you are dead. You won't go and do anything. What spirit motivates you? What spirit leads you? What spirit drives you? That's the first question. Because whichever spirit you and I yield to will control us. So it does not matter whether it is Hagar or Elijah. Elijah who told this lady at Zarephath, do not fear, just do as I say, little later would fear and run. Another spirit drove him to suicide. Now I want to die. Which spirit is leading you, Elijah? A little three days earlier, it's the spirit of God who made you run before the chariot. A little later, another spirit is driving you to suicide. Which spirit did you yield to? Which spirit? But there is a body. But every body needs a spirit. You take a balloon, leave it over there, nothing. Fill it with helium, it will go up. What made it go up? The spirit in it. Some people, you say, go from their home in the evening on two legs, come back in four legs, because another spirit got into them. Okay, it will be God, Sri Lakshmi wines, Johnny wines, but when that gets in, you are gone. What happened? You went like a human being, steady on two legs, came back an animal like on four legs. What happened? Something else is controlling you now. So a body without a spirit is dead. So therefore the spirit realm is unseen. What controls you? The spirit controls you. Second thing is there. You say you believe. Faith. Show me your works. You say you believe. You say when Jesus says I am coming. You will never come to church on time. You are never there for worship. There are churches in which I have preached. Mainland churches where I preach. Where people come exactly at that time. Have timed it over years of practice. When benediction is coming on. And in the, by the, the, the pastor poor man gives the benediction. And they come for the benediction. And receive it very religiously. And go down for coffee. And they are also expecting to be in the rapture. Show me your works. Show me your works. Proof of the pudding is, you never listen to any message, you never read your word, you never pray, you are expecting to be raptured. Where? Which spirit is going to take you? That's what he's talking about. There is a body, there is a spirit, there is faith, there is works. Where is it? There is a way which God has shown us. And Jesus said, I am the way. This is statutory warning. Faith without works is dead. So it doesn't matter whether it is John or Jesus. Will you yield to that spirit? 
If you are the son of God, okay, I will prove to you I am the son of God. Stones become bread. He is yielded to another spirit now, not the Holy Spirit. The entire pressure in the wilderness to Jesus is to yield to another spirit other than the Holy Spirit. He says, no. No. He's being given the entire world in a platter. He says, showed him the kingdoms of this world and the glory of the kingdom. All you have to do, Jesus, bend. I give it to you. He says, no, dude, I don't submit to that spirit. I submit to another spirit. You know, the pressure is always to get this body under one of these two spirits. There is no spirit. The body is like a balloon, dead. The minute you fill it, air release it, it goes up. But the question is not whether it goes up. The question is, what spirit is it taking it? That is what God is asking Hagar. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Which spirit is leading you? Oh, the Holy Spirit. Okay, then go back the way you came. Submit your mistress. You want my spirit to lead you? Go back. Elijah, what are you doing here? Oh no, I am the only one. Correction. There are 7,000 others. Don't, I don't want this pity party here. I appreciate you. I appreciate your dedication everything. But let me make a correction over here. The correction is that there are 7,000 others who haven't bent their knees to Baal. Now go back the way you came. I've got a problem with your depression. You know why you're depressed? Because you have no friends. You're a very unfriendly character. You lived with that lady and her son. You did not make it. You left him at Beersheba. Nobody seems to be stick to you because you are a very unfriendly cat. To be, to have friends, you need to be friendly. So you know we're going to anoint these three people and then train that young man called Elisha. Walk with you. Learn to fellowship Elijah. Don't be an introvert. You've got a problem. That's why you're depressed. That's why you're discouraged because you don't have anybody to whom you can relate. And we were not because I can't change my order. My first words about man is that it's not good for man to be alone. And you are alone. You are alone. That's your problem. You are alone. Elijah will walk the next 18 years with a young man called Elisha. And he doesn't want to die anymore. He's still waiting to die. Thousands of years have passed by. Everybody asks Lord when. He asks Lord when will I die? So I can get my new body. 16.8 Genesis 16.8. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. We don't tell the whole story. Now, when our children were very small, you know, parents need to know your children very well. Especially fathers need to know their children very well. Because father is usually, according to the scripture of God, father is the final authority, you know. So when the little one comes to you and says, Daddy, can I come to go to play? You need to realize, this fellow never comes and asks me. He says, did you ask your mother? Yeah. What did she say? She said, don't go. That's why you came to me. Go back the way you came. <laughs> go back the way you came. A lot of people will say, I'm so intimately connected with God, are absolute rebels. They will not submit to anybody. I hear only from God. Even Jesus did not walk that way. 
If you have doubt, read Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 and 52. What is written about Jesus? Luke chapter 2, verse 51 and 52. Read it. What is it written? He where? He went down with them. Why? For him who is God to go with his parents is a journey down, not a journey up. But he went down with them. And what is it written? He was subject to them. But his, he was what? How many years? What is his age then? What is his age then? 12. What is the age you will see him next? 18 years he was subject to them. In the process, because he went down and was subject to them. What is the next words written about that? Jesus increased in wisdom. Meaning, if he had not submitted to his father's order to be subject to two simple, godly, but semi-literate parents, he would have never increased in wisdom. Maybe in stature, but not in wisdom. He would not have favor with God. Maybe with man, but not with God. Not even his son. Could circumvent God's process. Don't try. Don't try. He will just wander and die in the wilderness. He will take care of you. It will be the same food every day. Nothing will change. That's why God is saying. She's very subtle. Oh, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress. Why don't you tell me? Why are you fleeing from your mistress? Oh, she dealt very harshly with me. Why did she deal harshly with me? Oh, I despised her. Okay. You despised your mistress. You despised authority. You despised authority. That's the reason. Let's come to the cross. So the diagnosis here. I despised authority. I could not handle it. My authority was harsh towards me. So he gave me the pink slip. Now I'm wandering around looking for a job. God says go back and apologize. He may not take you back. But you do that for my sake. I am sending an email. Sir, I am sorry. I should not have talked that way. Uh, forgive me. That's it. And then you realize another door has opened for you. Because you went back the way God said is my way. I know people who came from the Middle East and all standing before me and say, Pastor, I do not know. I've been working, working, working. Everything goes down the drain. It's like putting money in a bag full of holes. No promotion, nothing. I said, okay, let me think. I said, wait a minute. How were you at school? <laughs> school, ah, huh? school, ah. Huh? Because I'm getting something in my spirit that in school, you rebelled against the principal and your teachers. Did you? Uh-huh. What did the teacher say? You will never amount to anything in life. Now stand here. Confess. As a servant of God, I will release you from that curse. Isn't that what God did with Jacob? You want to be blessed. But what did you tell your father? You despised authority. What did you tell your father? You think your father is a joke? You think your father has an inbuilt authority? That authority was mine. I gave it to the father. What did you tell your father? He said, stand here. Let me pray over you. Let me break it. Because these things will follow you. Hagar, if you run, you will die. You want to live? You want your child to be blessed and to have a future? Go back the way you came. Come under. Come under. Yes, she is harsh. I understand that. Don't worry about it. You just keep your mouth shut. I'll bless you. 
Potiphar was harsh. Mrs. Potiphar was everywhere. It was harsh. Zipped his lip and kept quiet. And one day, boom, he rose. Pharaoh looks at him and says, there is nobody like you in Egypt. The very spirit of God is speaking through me. Here, take my signet ring. Wear my chain. You are second only to me. Where did that happen? What did this man do? Did he do an MBA? How can you be a Hebrew, only Hebrew in Egyptian, coming from the prison and become a prime minister? How is it possible? What is Joseph's secret? Under. Never, ever despised authority. Never. There are God's ways. There are God's ways. There is no other way. These things, everything you look in life is temporal. There is something that is coming that is eternal. Eternal. And we are preparing for that. So as we go to communion, as we go to communion, we are preparing for something eternal. It doesn't matter even if you become president of America. You can't. You have to be born there. If you become, it's only two terms. After that, you have to retire. Compulsory retirement. But there, it is forever and ever and ever and ever. The only thing that matters is what he says. Well done. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful. What? Faithful? Servant. Well done, good and faithful CEO. No, servant. Whether you are a CEO, your heart was always that of a servant. That's why you should read. During America's war for independence, there's these soldiers digging the road, making a road, and there is a sergeant with his lapel standing over, ordering everybody, this thing. Then another man comes in the horse, and he looks at him and says, how come you are not digging? Don't you see I'm a sergeant? He says, oh, I didn't notice. I'm sorry, sir. And he went, and he dug everything, and... Then finished, and when he was going, he says, uh, um, by, by, by the way, uh, he asked him, what's your name? He says, don't worry, my name is George Washington. The general. You are a sergeant, right? I'm George Washington. But I'm a servant. He's a son of God, right? Everything was made by him, for him, of him. Everything was about him. No? What's he doing for 30 years? Making yokes, making chairs, making benches. When was the last time you stopped and looked at a carpenter and says, what a profession? Did you know? Who wants to be a carpenter? Well done. A good and faithful. 30 years. When you baptize, the first thing the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. Question, did he preach? Did he wash in the worship team? No. We don't even know whether he could sing. What did he do? Just told, did what his father told him to do. Shut your mouth, stay with your parents, listen to what they say. Go to the synagogue every week, never miss a service, just do what the rabbi says. If he gives you a text to read, read. Otherwise, sit there and listen. You may know the whole Torah, doesn't matter. Sit there and listen. I'm teaching you something. If you want to be the savior of mankind, first thing, be a servant. Hagar, 
Abraham, Sarah's maid, go back the way you came and submit. And what does Hagar say? God who sees me. Is that your response if God tells you, go back and do what I tell you? Oh, the God who sees me, I wish you never saw me. See her response. Look at her response. What is, what is God ordering her back to? Slavery. What she's saying? He sees me in my affliction, has given me the solution to my problem. The God who sees me. Because everywhere, repatriation, slavery, all kind of fighting, slavery, France is burning. Fighting for right to kill babies. Everybody is fighting. Here God is <laughs> sentencing somebody back to slavery. And she says, the God sees me in my affliction. So Hagar is not an ordinary woman. She, to her too, some of the faith of Abraham has passed on. Faith. Yes, shall we have a song? We'll... Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your son. Because you walked in the way you showed him. He was not just a king. He was a servant king. He showed us what it is to submit. He showed us that all the affliction that comes through submission is very temporary. But it will produce for an eternal fruit of righteousness and rewards. That everything anyone is going through here in this church, online, offline, is all temporary because of the obedience to Christ. But eternity is beckoning. And you have shown us the way. And at the end of that journey was this body and the blood that was shed. The emblems that are before us today. As we partake of it, I pray we will once again humble ourselves to thy cause. Humble ourselves to thy cause, Lord. Touch your people. Heal and strengthen your people, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Please hold it in your hands. We shall partake of it together.
who are is in the wilderness in the wilderness whatever wilderness it is different kinds of wilderness family finance office all kinds of wilderness are there don't be like the children of israel in psalm 78 and verse 19 they asked this question to god can he spread a table in the wilderness always despising god always doubting god can you spread a table for you in the wilderness another man in the wilderness david do you know what he said even though i walk through the valley of shadow of death i will fear no evil you spread a table for me in the presence of my enemies another man went even further his name was moses you should read exodus 33 and verse 15 do you know what he says is in the wilderness you know what he says if your presence doesn't he fell in love with the wilderness because god was there and he's got a showing in the promised land he says no first tell me are you coming with us or not are you coming with us or not and the most powerful verses is in the book of hosea hosea for us hosea in chapter 2 therefore behold i will allure means attract her will bring her into the wilderness and what comfort always speak comfort comfort where in the will even to hagar comfort hagar i have not come to destroy you I have to come you give life but there's only one way go back and submit and a few years later when she is actually thrown out back in the wilderness he will tell her your future lift the boy with you arise lift that boy and tell him he shall become a great nation and the word of god says god was with the lad in the wilderness i will give her vineyards from there the valley of akor akor means remember valley of akor with nathan not the akon and his children where hopelessness valley of akor as a door of hope she shall sing there as in the days of her youth as in the day when she came up from the land of egypt and it shall be in that day says the lord that you will call me and not my Well, that's the issue with all women no master master lord and master lord and master you are my husband you will understand what i am you will understand what i am you will realize i will bring you out of the wilderness to myself and that day will realize what a waste i wasted my life i should have just submitted in the beginning his his intention for me always was good simple way god cannot think bad about his children he can only think good about his children is there any father here who is sitting and plotting how to dis- how to destroy his children anybody here that's what he said if you evil fathers know how to give good things to your children <coughs> how much more what will he give you the holy spirit the body without the spirit is dead but the body with the holy spirit is alive that is the spirit that led him into the wilderness 
Allah gave him the power to overcome in the wilderness. And when he came out, it was not the same man who came out. The man who went in, the man who came out were not the same man. He came out in the power of the Spirit. And even people like Nicodemus came to him and said, You must be from God. You must be from God. Since what the woman at Zarephath said? I know. You are a man of God. And the word of God is in your mouth. It's truth. That's what Jehoshaphat said about Elisha. Is there any other prophet? And they said, yeah, there is one man. Who is that Elisha? Who poured? What is that man's testimony of 18 years? Pouring water. Suddenly, Jehoshaphat says, yes, the spirit of the Lord is with him. And the word of God is with him. Call him. Yo, for you, he must have been just a man who poured water. But God is telling me something. That's the only man upon whom I could pour my spirit. Because he was under. Was under. That's what he wants to give us. Spirit without measure. Shall we stand? Father, this morning, we stand in your presence, Lord. So many, Lord. Every child will be taken into that wilderness. It's a season. But it is so that you can bless us, not destroy us. We destroy ourselves by our stiff-neckedness, by our rebellion, by our false spirituality, by our religiosity. Our lack of interest, our worldliness, so many different ways. But to the prophet and to the maidservant, your direction is the same. What are you doing here? Go back the way you came and submit. Ishmael would become a great nation. Elijah would mentor a great prophet. All because they obeyed. And you are speaking to somebody today. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, the sword will devour you. The wilderness will devour you. Or you can come out of the wilderness. The power of my spirit. Two stark choices are before us. The beginning of the second half of this year. I pray father. All of us. Will make the right choices. All of us will make the right choices. Because you always come to your people. To give life. Even today, let there be an impartation of your life into each person who believes. Healing for those who are sick. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Let there be deliverance in the house of God. Everyone who came with a disturbed mind, 
agitated. There was a churning of the demonic inside you. I command deliverance in the name of Jesus. That every spirit that is not of God will leave now in Jesus' name. The body for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Let there be a consecration this morning. And an infilling of the Holy Spirit in your people. And I pray, Father, as they decide to go back the way they came, some of them, like those lepers, as they were going, they were healed. And I pray, as they decide to go back and put things in order in their life, healing will take place. Restoration will take place. Doors that were closed for years and months will open. Promotions that have been stayed will come. And they will be able to look back and say, yes, I listened, I believed, I obeyed. Now I look back, my lines have fallen in pleasant places. He restored my marriage. He restored my home. He, my return, children returned. The prodigals came back home. My master changed completely. He's so kind to me now. Everything changed. It's only because you chose to obey. And God was working. So make a resolution today. Don't look at the other person. Who is creating trouble in your life? Don't look at that other person. Leave that person into the hands of God. You make a decision for yourself. Sarah is harsh. That's not the question. You go back, Hagar. You submit to her authority. And I will see your dissonance multiply. Nobody can rob you of your blessings. And I pray, Father, many will take heart. Husbands will take heart. My wife is incorrigible. But I will still choose to love. God, give me the grace. My husband is a harsh man, but I will still choose to submit. Lord, give me grace. Children will make a decision. I will choose to come under authority. Employees will choose to make a decision. Employers will make a decision. And I will stand here on the strength of God's word and say, the blessings will start flowing. The dam will burst open. God will vindicate himself in your life. Receive that word of God and go in peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's what we want, Lord. Whole lives, whole homes, make a whole church, Lord. That's all we ask. That may your presence dwell in our midst. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.